Father, we just come to you, Lord. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. Another day. The land of the living. To prepare. To meet our maker. Our redeemer. Our savior. How precious time is, O Lord, in this life. Help us to redeem the time. For the days are truly evil. And you have given us in the midst of everything, time unlimited, a season like this, so that we can prepare ourselves for the days to come. And so many of these things may not be possible. The hearing of the word, the studying of the word, the gathering of your people, so many things may become more and more difficult as the days goes by. So help us to redeem the time now. So speak to us, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Like I keep saying, yes, make use of this time everywhere, everybody. Get a good, what you call, not a pen drive, pen drive won't be enough, a bigger saving device, download all the messages, save it and keep. A time will come, I'm honestly telling you, a time will come when a lot of things will not be available. The the moral liberal police which controls Google, right now they are a little careful, but soon they will start taking everything off. A time will come. We don't know. After November 2020, we will know. A lot of things will not be available. So on the, those who are dependent upon the net and not on this printed book. Okay. I'm telling you, download, keep so that we'll always have, but above all, of course, guard it all in your heart, in your life. Things will get worse. And so many nations have gone through that same, same history. And the only ones who came out of it strong are the ones who had hidden the word of God in their hearts. Okay, and that's something which David said in Psalm 119, which became true for millions of believers who were sustained by that word. So don't take anything lightly. Use this time profitably to learn to know God. <clears throat> so we were looking at Moses two days back. The call of every Christian, the call of every man is the call to be partakers of God's plan for redemption. No? Not only that, he redeems us, he calls also us to be part of that redemptive plan. And we know Moses' history he had been living what we call incognito for 40 years. No one knows who he is practically. He was out of the public eye completely out of the public eye, living in the wilderness. Probably like, you know, uh, when our kids are small, uh, our kids are in school, you know, it doesn't matter what you are known as. But when you go to school, you are known as your child's parent. That's your identity. Okay? That's how uh, I used to be addressed as, are you into this one's father? 
That's all we are known. So Moses is only known as Jethro's son-in-law. That's his identity. Okay, that's his identity. He himself is a nobody. Okay. He's completely out of the public eye, but you need to realize one pair of eyes was upon him. That was God's eyes were on him. That had never changed. God's eye was on him. So for everyone who feels the same way, that nobody knows me, nobody acknowledges me, don't forget, his eye is upon you and he's waiting. When the right time comes, only he knows the right time. We may say, I am ready. God says, you are not at all. <laughs> My kids in Bhutan for the convention, the worship leader will say, are you ready? And they will all say, yay. <laughs> but you look at them, most of them are still not ready. Okay. When the right time comes, he alone knows the right time. You should be sure. He will co-opt us to become part of that incredible, great purpose that is the redemptive plan of Christ. So who am I is the question that he asks. It's a, it's a feeling of 40 years earlier, he had a feeling of overconfidence, bold in himself. And now 40 years later, it's a feeling of unworthiness. It's not a bad feeling, okay? So the question is, like, let's look at these three verses quickly. Matthew 19, 26, Mark 9, 23, and Philippians 4, 13. And then we'll get into the message. How we strike the balance. With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Mark 9, 23. With the man who believes, Jesus tells him, believe in God. And scripture says, if you can believe in God, all things are possible to him who believes. With God, all things are possible. With the man who believes in God, all things are possible. You put it together, we strike that balance. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ. Okay, through Christ who strengthens me. This is to which God is trying to. We don't have to do all things, but we have to do all things which he wants us to do. I don't have to do all things. None of us have to do all things. And no man can do in that way all things. Then he is God. No, only God can do all things. Okay? But every man can do all things that God is calling him to do. And that's what God is calling Moses to. Go in and bring my people out. And he can do it. The odds, it may look is stacked against him, but actually no, the odds are stacked against the Pharaoh because God is with him. A lot of people have started before God's time, like Moses at 40, because they saw something in themselves. They never waited for God, nor heard his clear instructions. So, so many of us are where, like, are like, where, like Moses. Hmm? We were very good, what we call fast scholars in the school of Egypt. But we are slow learners in the school of God. That's our problem. Okay? We are fast learners in the school of Egypt. Trained in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. 
But at 80, he realized he's an absolutely atheistic in God's school. He hardly knows this God who's calling him. Mm-hmm. And that's our issue. We are very fast in the world. <laughs> we are very slow in God's school. You know, look at people, young people. It's not they cannot. They are incredibly smart in the thing. Give them a mobile phone. In two days, a five-year-old, six-year-old knows how to flip and open it all. Ask them to memorize scripture. They find it very boring. Ask anybody. They are very good. It's not they are not good. They are even little Ajay sitting over there. I'm telling you, he's good in so many things of the world. They are fast learners in the school of Egypt. But they are very slow learners in the school of God. It's simply where our heart lies. You know? And we struggle then to really, really understand that nothing we actually learned in the world makes us fit to serve in God's kingdom. I'm not talking about technology. Okay, Technology is good. All that we can. Now, we are not talking about technology. We are talking about the person behind the technology. Okay? There is the pulpit and there is a person behind the pulpit. Okay? There are two different things. Okay? And that's what God is doing. Behind everything there is a person. And actually, technology serves us. But the person serves God. And God is not looking at the technology. God is looking at the person. And when the person knows God, God can do without technology. Jesus had no technology. And he preached to bigger crowds without any technology. Absolutely no technology at all. Moses had no technology. Nothing. Just with a rod which became the rod of God. He went in and came out and brought the people out with him. Okay, Technology is good. But be that person. No, whatever that, that person God wants us to be. And that's our struggle. Moses' struggle is a struggle of every man because our struggle is hearing from God. Okay? Please understand this. <clears throat> it's not that God does not speak. Only a surrendered soul can understand what God is saying. And only to a surrendered soul can God give understanding. Okay, this is the same man, a few years later, or a little later, will stand before God, okay, and will actually say, teach me your ways. Okay, we don't have to go there, we'll go there later. Okay. So we saw God's response to Moses. Okay, it's very self-depreciating, which is good. Depreciation is good in the market, depreciation is good in the when you're paying your premium insurance on your vehicle, not any depreciation goes, it's good for you. Okay, because you don't have to pay, it keeps on coming down. In the same way, self-depreciation is also a good thing. Because if you decrease and God increases, it's a good thing. If you only decrease without God increasing, it's a terrible thing. Okay, then you will have this party every day, which you bring out your best bone, china, and your coffee, no, or tea or whatever it's called. Pity party. Okay. <laughs> Pity party. Woe unto me. Poor me. So who am I? Who am I? Okay. Who am I? So if you look at Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7 and 8, okay, chapters, verse 7 has incredible 
revelations of this heart of God. Okay, Moses would have been listening carefully what God is saying. And we also need to listen carefully every time. That's why it's a red belt letter Bible is a good thing. Every time God himself personally speaks. Okay, it's like, no? I have surely seen the oppression of my people. He says, I have seen the oppression of my people. I have heard their cry. I know their sorrows. Three things I have seen, I've heard, and I know. That's what God is telling every person, everywhere, in the midst of this pandemic and fear and everything. He says, I have seen your oppression. I've heard your cry. And I know your sorrows. And verse 8 is his response. He says, in response to your cry, I have come down. I have come down. For what? To deliver you. See, wherever God comes down, you look at every place where God comes down. He comes down with simple purpose to deliver us. You'll see so many places in the Bible where God comes down. In angelic form or some other form, he comes down. And he always comes down to deliver us. I have come down to deliver us. And from what? To bring us up. That's always God. He comes down to bring us up to that land. Okay? And he will always say, the question is this. He has come down to deliver us. But the question is, do you want to be delivered? Remember the question Jesus asked the man at the pool of Bethsaida, do you want to be delivered? Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? I am with you. For lo, always. But the question is, do you want him with you? Always. Honestly, if you ask a lot of people, they don't want him always. Lord, Please come when I am in trouble. After that, would you please leave me alone to lead my own life? No. That's what people say. Just leave me alone. Leave me alone. Husbands like when wives go to work. Wives like when husbands go to work. Parents like when children go to work. Children go to school. Children like when parents go out. Everybody deep inside is, will you leave me alone? Will you leave me alone? The CCTV camera is a terrible thing. Why don't we love it? Yesterday night, if you are listening, yesterday night, somebody called for prayer. No, so prayer. They called Ma for prayer. And, you know, they wanted to say, tell Papu something about the marks. So when they're talking about the marks, I said, I saw you. I saw you. Where? On the camera. Okay. Then there was sudden silence. <laughs> Marks are forgotten. Hundred percent is forgotten. Everything is forgotten because in the light of that I saw you. All this is forgotten. This is when we come to God also. We tell God, Lord, uh, do you know Lord? I did this. I did this. I did this. I did this. And God says, I also saw you doing this. 24-7 monitoring is going on. And God is such a kind, patient, compassionate God. No, So the question is, God says, I have come down to deliver you. 
the question is do you really want to be delivered do you really want to get well the price of freedom <laughs> do you really want to pay the price of freedom you know we are all sitting here quiet happy free but you know how many soldiers died two days back to keep us free there's a family in suryapet morning no in our own state morning they lost their son the wife lost their her husband the children lost their father why did he die he died for us he didn't die for himself he died for us that's a price of freedom again god says you think freedom is free it is not free you'll have to fight every day to walk in it you'll have to fight every day to walk in it and that's what god is talking about stage 1 that is getting us out of egypt the penalty of sin the price that has to be paid to set us free from the penalty of sin is entirely god's work israel did nothing nobody did anything it was entirely god's work stage 2 walking in that freedom that's where we come in and both two is a whole that's what liberty is that's what freedom is and god is with us in this battle the gospel according to matthew matthew 121 and matthew 123 she shall bring forth a son and you shall call him yeshua for he will save his people from their sins kya baat hai we love it amen he will save his people from their sins that's the penalty of sin and 23 and they shall call his name emmanuel which is translated god with us why do we need emmanuel isn't yeshua enough we need emmanuel if only you're interested in walking in your deliverance otherwise why should god be with us If I can walk in my deliverance myself, then why do I need Emmanuel? Yeshua is enough. Yeshua is enough. I don't need Emmanuel, but that's not. It's a twofold promise. His name is Jesus, Yeshua, and his name is Emmanuel. You will need both. You will not both, because he will help you to fight every day. He will f- help you to fight. Okay? And that's where... Moses first thing comes no what does he says i am who am i i'm unfit who am i i'm unfit for this purpose no who am i that i should go to pharaoh that i should bring the children of israel out of egypt god is saying you know what now i you don't see you don't see moses for 40 years you do not see You only saw yourself running 40 years ago. You didn't realize it was I who gave you speed to your feet. I saved you from the wrath of the Pharaoh. And I protected you for 40 years from the wrath of the Pharaoh. Now you go and save the others from the wrath of the Pharaoh. When we run, <laughs> we don't realize it is he who gives us strength for our feet to run. We don't see the hand of God behind all those things 
which we take it for granted. He says, God says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? We looked at it in detail two days back. God says, I am with you. I'll go with you, verse 12. He says, I'll go with you. I will be certainly with you. And this is the key. And as a sign of it, I'm giving you my word. You know, God just has to give his word. He doesn't have to give us a document with notary and nothing. He says, I'm telling you. See, I am with you. You can go and I will tell you a promise. I, I will tell you something. You know where we are standing? Most theologians agree that Mount Horeb and Mount Sinai are the same mountain. Okay? He says, you know where I am standing? Do you see where I'm talking to you? I'm telling you something. You can take me on my word. I'll go with you and you will bring them back right here. The same mountain, you'll come back here. And I'll talk to you again here. And I'll talk to the people. That's an incredible promise. Incredible promise. Okay, we need that kind of a promise. Imagine if you can, I mean, which of us can guarantee a promise like that? Okay. That's why God's yes is yes and his no is no. No, because we look at it, and that's exactly the promise Jesus gives. He says, I'm going to my father's house. In my father's house, there are many mansions. And if I go, I will come back. Not only that, I will take you where I am. Okay. It's a kind of similar kind of a promise. For to them, in a physical, material way, it has a much more bigger way. You need to realize from where do our assurances, our faith comes from. Faith comes from hearing. And hearing from the word of God. And you know what? That, that takes fear away. That takes fear away because you can you can need to know this God whom you can trust with all your life, with all your strength, with all your might, because he exactly means what he says. And in verse thirteen, he will ask the next question. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? What shall I say to them? It's the God of our fathers, God of Abraham, Isaac, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. Yeah, okay. No. But uh, what shall I? I mean, that's our father's God. But what is his name? What shall I say to them? And this is our actual struggle. And it's a real struggle. And it's a genuine struggle. And it's a struggle which has to be overcome daily. You cannot speak about an unknown God. We are not teachers. We are witnesses. We are not teachers. We teach because we have witnessed. We are not teachers. See, I can, I can teach Shakespeare without ever meeting Shakespeare. And Shakespeare is not bothered how I teach Shakespeare. I can teach Milton. I can teach Tennyson. I can teach Robert Frost. I can teach all these people. But I cannot teach Christ. Cannot teach Christ. Because he's the only one. He and what he speaks is the same. That's why he says, I am the truth. See, I can teach Buddhism. I can teach Buddhism. Without knowing Buddha. I don't have to know Buddha to teach Buddhism. I can teach Islam without knowing Muhammad. No can teach and learn Hinduism without knowing any of the gods. cannot teach Christ without knowing Christ. And the crisis that has happened in Christendom is a lot of people teach Christ without really knowing Him. Without knowing Him. And in so many ways we are like people whom 
in Acts chapter 17, 23, Paul encountered in Athens. For I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship. I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. I proclaim to you. Forget the world. This is a tragedy of Christendom. For many, many Christians, Christ is an unknown God. They know him by name. His name. But they don't even know him as person. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, I proclaim to you, he says, I know him. And what is true about Moses at 80 is also true about so many of, let's put us in that bracket, us. So, why is there so much confusion in the Christian world? Because they do worship an unknown God. A God they really do not know. That's why Peter's Ramba, final words in Second Peter 3.18, final words. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Just grow in both. Grow in both. To Him be the glory both now and for our sins. Grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Or who he is. In Philippians 3.10. Another servant of God. That I may know him. He said, this is what I want. He says, you know what? I just don't want to preach in his name. I want to know him whom I preach. That's what he's talking about. Him I preach. Him I proclaim. This unknown God is known to me. Him I proclaim. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12 is one of his final epistles. This is what he says. 1.12 2 Timothy 1.12 For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless I am not ashamed. Why are you not ashamed? For I know whom I have believed. I am not ashamed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. That's the difference. See, I cannot commit myself to an ideology. The ideology doesn't keep me. I have to keep the ideology. <laughs> so Christianity is not an ideology. It's a person. And that's what he says. The person and what he preaches are the same and have committed my life into his hands. And I know he can keep me until that day. So Moses is going to start on a journey. Who are you? I've heard about you. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. But that's history. (laughs) But who are you? You Who are you? In Acts chapter 9 and verse 5, another man through whom we will get to know God, his life changes because of that one question. Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? We need to ask these questions. Don't just be content with received knowledge. Don't be content with received knowledge. You see, when we were, unlike Pastor Vijay, for me it stopped in class 12. After our theory classes, we had practicals. 
Theory is something. Practicals is an evidence of what you learned in that class. Learned in that class. Okay? Theory is received knowledge. Practical is something where you get to know that person. Get to that, know that person. You know? And these are simply the most important questions a person should ask. Who am I? And who are you? And ultimately, you will realize he's everything that he says he is. Not he was. Not he will be. He is. Always he is. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he is. And I am everything that he says I am. I am everything. Not that I say I am. I am not anything that I say I am. I am everything that he says I am. If he says I am unclean, I am unclean. It doesn't matter what people say or I think about myself. If he says I am purged, I am purged. It doesn't matter what I feel like about it. Okay? It does not matter if I am hiding from my enemies. If he says this is who you are, mighty warrior, then that is what I am. What I am. So these two questions, fundamental questions. Who are you, Lord? Who I am. Okay? Remember Acts chapter 9 and 5? Who are you, Lord? No? Who are you, Lord? Three days later, in Acts chapter 9 verse 15, everything changes. Go for he is a chosen vessel of mine. Who are you, Lord? The answer to that question, when he gets, he also realizes who I am. I am a chosen vessel. I'm a chosen vessel. Everything changes. You see, number two follows number one. When you have the right questions, you will get the right answers. The right question is not who am I? The right question first is who are you? Then he will tell me who I am. Moses begins with the wrong question. He asks, who am I? Then he gets a second question. Who are you? And then he will realize in Exodus 3 and verse 12. You know? 3.12 You too are a chosen vessel. I am with you. I'll be with you. You are a chosen vessel. Who are you, Lord? What shall I tell? What shall I tell them? If they ask me, the God of your fathers, and they ask me, what's your name? What's his name? Exodus 3.14, the answer. God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am sent me to you. This is the most powerful exposition from the mouth of God as to who he is. This encompasses everything else. 
everything else. But we need to understand, God is not mad with us. God is not angry with us. None of these things. He understands our fear, the fear of the unknown. And all our fears are connected with the unknown. See, everybody is not covetous who is seeking money. Everybody is not covetous who is seeking money. So many people who seek money are not covetous. This is this fear of the unknown which is causing them to hold on to money because money is a symbol of the security you have in this world because money can handle a lot of things. Lot of issues. Lot and lot of issues. In this physical life, money can handle. So please don't think everybody who seeks money is covetous. It is out of fear. It is out of fear. And all our fears are connected, not just with the future, the unknown element in the future. Okay? Unknown element. And that's that's what is driving one whole side of U.S. Everybody knows Joe Biden is God's practically dementia. They have no clue what is he going to be. But the fear of a second term of Trump for the liberals, the leftists. If he wins another four years, there could be at least two or three vacancies maybe in the Supreme Court. We may have another what is called fireproof conservative majority in the Supreme Court. Two gone meaning this take uh, take get rid of John Roberts also. It doesn't matter. He's the Alter in the group who again flipped yesterday. I keep telling every time he will flip. Every time he's the one. Yesterday also he flipped. Okay, every time. Yesterday also flipped with the ruling. You need to realize how from the top till the bottom the, the system has been manipulated with people who can be flipped. Can be from the Supreme Court onwards. People who can be flipped. Okay, so it's a, so this is the fear of the liberals. The liberals are supposedly fighting for freedom, but they're not fighting for freedom, which will make you free. They're fighting for the freedom, which will keep you always a slave to your passions. All the rights they talk about are rights which will actually take you to hell. These rights they are talking about. So that is that so this fear of that unknown okay the dhaka verdict the verdict itself was illegal it was not upholding the law but you should have of course you should have sympathy for those children the children see in the book of jeremiah god says the father shall bite on sour grapes the children's teeth shall not be set on the edge these children were innocent they were brought in as babies and now they are old and they are working many of them are working you can't throw them out can't throw them out. So you have to handle situations always with compassion. 600,000 Dhaka, meaning children who were smuggled in illegally. But they are not to be punished for the sins of their parents. So the Congress should frame a law saying we will give them citizenship without change citizenship. Meaning that does, these set of people cannot bring their fathers and mothers and then you are uh, abusing the system and aiding to that sin. But of course the 600, if I, <laughs> I would definitely stand with any innocent child. Innocent child. Okay, but also put in place to that the law is never abused. So understand how the whole thing is. What I am talking about is that, you know what fear will cause people to do? 
Fear will cause people to do the fear of the unknown. Like even David <laughs> flipped in fear. You know, two times he flipped was both in fear. With Bathsheba also it was fear that people will get to know what he would do and he tried to cover it up. The first time also when he went into Philistines, this fear of this unknown. And right now, fear is gripping the world. The pandemic and the downturn, everything that is coming, pestilence, famine, fear of death. And for all our fears, past, present, future. Because our fears are in three brackets. Fear of the past. What if somebody knows? Right? Fear of the past. Fear of the present. And the fear of the future. For all our fears, God has only one answer. You know what is that answer? I am. Who I am. I know your past. I know your present. I know your future. Not I was. Not I will be. I am. That's Yahweh. They won't pronounce it, the Hebrews, but we can pronounce it because they don't know him as father. We know, so it does not matter. Let When they know him as father, they'll also call him Yahweh. Till then, they will use symbols. Okay? But that's okay. Okay. That's how God would be known to Israel, the self-existing one. Okay. I mean, we don't realize it opens up all possibilities. You can stretch how much you can the human mind. It still cannot compass him. I am who I am. Okay. In verse 15 he says, For you, this is my name forever. Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial to all generations. Somebody asks you, who brought you out of Egypt? I am. Who took you through the wilderness? I am. Who kept you in the promised land? I am. Who dispersed you into Babylon? I am. Who brought you back from... I am. For all generations. Don't say, he was... Always says, I am. Meaning, he is mine and your present reality. It is I am who revealed himself to us in Jesus. You have to realize, this is the same I am. In John 1 verse 14, it is I am who came down. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You need to realize who came and dwelt with us. It is I am. That I am. In 1 John 1 verses 1 to 3, the same John later will say, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which you have seen with our eyes, which you have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. 
the life was manifested. We have seen and bear witness, declared to you that the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. He says, I am that I am. Colossians 1.19 Paul will put it together. He is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and in all things he may have preeminence. And verse 19, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. So when he came, it was I am who came, because the fullness of the Father was in him. So we are more privileged than the people of Moses' era. More privileged than the people of Moses' era. I am that I am. Go tell them, I am that I am. Okay? Ajay? I am that I am. You know what it means? You still, do you know how banking is? You know what banking is? Imagine if I were to give you a check. You know? And I sign the check. And leave it undated. And don't fill in the figures. And give it to you. Kya baat hai? But not kya baat hai. You will go to the account and you realize there isn't much in there. You can only withdraw according to the amount that is there. Getting it? Think about God. Think about God. Do you think his bank ever runs empty? Do you know what a blank check is? I am that I am. In Matthew 18, verses 2 <clears throat> and 3. Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly I say to you, unless you are converted and become as the little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. As such, we are only two or three. Apu, can you shift your chair a little so I can see your face? Okay, because Sammy is covering. We have so many online, but that's a different thing. Okay, you can't see online people, right? Okay, think about this. What, think about this. What Jesus is actually saying. He called a little child in the midst of the man. Says, unless you are converted. You see, your real conversion is that, no? You become like a little child. See, to really experience the kingdom of God, you need to be like this child. Now, what is he talking about? Do you know what a parent is to a child? I'm hungry. Okay, if you're a child, if your father or mother is at home, I'm hungry. Meaning? Feed me. I'm sleepy. Put me to sleep. Mom afraid. Hold me. I am tired. Do you realize so? Actually the child looks at the father or the mother as the solution to all its problems. That's what you are to me. I'm hungry. I'm sleepy. I'm afraid. I am tired. You take it anything. The child just goes to the parent. 
in its own little ways, makes it known our need. And for the child, that's the answer. And that's exactly what Jesus said. In you and I am hungry, he says, I'm the bread of life. When we are thirsty, he says, drink of me, all you are thirsty. Lord, I don't know where I'm going, he says, I am your light. I am your light. No? Are you afraid? He says, I am the light. Lord, I am lost. He says, I am the way. He says, I am. I am. I am. Just fill in the blanks. Just fill in the blanks. Moses, you are going to lead them. You don't know. I am not going to tell you also now. It's going to be 40 years. You are going to lead them. And you are going to meet so many challenges with these children. And I am telling you, at every turn, you will realize, I am sufficient for you. I'm sufficient for you. Look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. First, uh, sorry, Colossians, yeah, 9. Colossians 2, 9. For in him dwells all the fullness of God bodily. In him dwells the fullness of the Trinity. In him. And verse 10. And you're complete in him. You're complete in Him. Meaning, I don't need anything outside of Him in this life and in the life to come. I'm absolutely complete in Him. We don't realize for everything that you are in face, God's answer is, I am. I gave you my Son. He is. I am. That's the seven revelations of Jesus Christ in the Gospel according to John. I am. I am. I am. And you look in life, there's nothing more we need. Nothing more we need. And our struggle is with this. We are looking to meet the needs of life outside of I am. And that's why we are discontented. Discontented. Our discontent comes it's not because we do not have things. It's because we do not know I am. That's our discontent. I am. And then people expect people to become I am. The wives expect the husband to become I am. And he cannot become I am. The husbands expect the wife to become I am. Parents expect the children to get I am. Now when the children grow up and don't become I am, they are frustrated. We don't realize this. Our basic struggle is everything that only God can be. We try to find it in, outside of Him. And we remain discontented. And if we ever get contented in something that outside of God, how poor we are. We think we are rich. But how poor are we? How poor are we? If we get contented, in something, if something outside of God satisfies us, we are very poor. We are very poor, ignorant, blind people. As I think C.S. Lewis or somebody said, we are like the little children sitting on the road, playing with dirt when the entire ocean and the beach lies in front of us. 
Please understand. One day, this same Moses who asked the question, Who are you? <laughs> From this same Moses, we will have the first five books of the Bible who will tell mankind who he is. Okay, That's incredible. This is a man who does not know God, who begins with this question, Who I am? And the same man, from this man, will start learning. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was void. It was dark. And darkness covered the surface of the earth. And Elohim, Ruah, was hovering over the waters. The revelation of the Trinity is coming through this man. Everything through this man. No? You just read Genesis chapter 1 in the Jewish Orthodox Bible. It's incredible. And Elohim said, let there be light. Elohim said, Elohim said, Elohim said, Elohim said, Elohim said, Revelation of who God is. You want to go further? You just read the book of Job. You look at the revelation of God in the book of Job. He took it, oh, how much this man suffered. No, you read it in Hebrew with English translation. He'll say, boy, how much he knew God. Before chapter 42, and then in 42 he says, I really did not know you, but now I know you. <laughs> what he did not know before God itself is a revelation for us. The revelation of who God is will roll from the pen of Moses. Okay, come out of this pen of Moses. And in Exodus 33, verse 13 and 14, you see, this is what happens. Your appetites should be wet, not W-E-T, W-H-E-T, W-H-E-T. Wet is a word which actually means to sharpen, wetting my blade, okay, W-H-E-T, wet. Your appetites, your desires should be sharpened by and for the right things. This man goes into Egypt. After reluctantly taking the commission from God, he sees the power of God manifested through a simple stick. He brings Israel out. Then he comes to Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai again. And then he says, now therefore if I, I pray, if I have found grace in your sign, show me now your way. I want to know you. I'm not satisfied. Most people would be satisfied with one millionth revelation of God which Moses has had already. You see, that is this, this is a journey to which God is calling us. God himself is a journey. <laughs> I am the way, 
the truth and the life. And no man can come to thee. It's a destination. It's a journey to know God. Jesus says, this is the invitation. Come. I'm the way. I will reveal to you the Father. This is a man who knows God like no man before him. And most men after him. And you know what here? You think, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know your ways. Because if you know somebody's ways, you actually know him. That's the only way you can really know a person. You cannot know a person by what he says. You know a person by what his ways are. Then you know that is what he is. Not by what he says. All those years I taught in the classroom, I taught them poetry, I taught them literature, I taught them drama. They did not know me. (laughs) What I was speaking is not who I am. That is subject. No, Pastor Vijay taught robotics, math. <laughs> Did they know him? No. That is a subject. It's a subject. It's a subject. That's not what. When do you know a person? When you actually start getting to know the way he functions. The ways of a man. The ways of God. You know, that's his prayer. And you know what God's answer is? says, my presence will go with you. He didn't say, I will give you a book. I'll give you a text. He says, my presence will go with you. You will know me. That's an incredible answer which we don't realize. What is God saying? God saying is that I will walk with you daily. And as you walk with me daily, you will get to know me. That's the only way you will know a person. It's the only way you will know a person. You will only know a person if you walk with that person. And the only way you will know God is if God walks with you. God walks with you. That's why we have in Psalm 103, verse 8, right? Yeah, 103, verse 8. Everything is okay? Yeah. Oh. Seven. Verse 7. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. And we do not know what a loaded statement that is. Meaning the people experienced the power of God like crazy, but they did not know him. Because they did not know him, they kept sinning against him until they were destroyed. And everyone experienced the power of God. Unbelievable, incredible power of God. But scripture says they all perished in the desert. In spite of experiencing the power of God. Simply why? But they did not know his ways. They did not know the person. They did not know the person. You know? You know? You know all these new electrical gadgets and all. You know this, this thing over here, if you see over here, it, it is a safety thing. It's a safety thing. You cannot put your, only when a three pin plug goes in, it goes up and then only you can connect. You know why it is put there? It's for the children. It's for the children. Because this is dangerous. You know, children have a habit of going, putting their finger in and getting a shock and dying. Right? So we tell them about fire, we tell them about electricity, all these things which we know can harm them. Harm them. No? The problem is, we don't realize God is like that. They only knew His power. They did not know Him. So that very power destroyed them. Because they did not know him. 
if they had known the person behind that power, that person would have carried them through to the other side. And people are only interested in the power of God. They don't want to know the person. And people get excited by power. Excited by power. And not so much the person. And God is inviting us to himself. And we will see God will reveal himself to Moses. First he knows him as the God of his fathers. Received history. He did this with Abraham. He did this with Isaac. He did it with Jacob. That is the history. And Joseph. And then he died. Now 450 years of slavery. They don't know beyond that. But now Moses will reveal God to others because of a personal walk. And we have to realize so this is God. Now one of the first thing Moses hears, you know, Gideon also asks, if this is all way, then why are we like this? And one of the first revelation Moses actually encounters about this God is God, he says, my eye is upon my people. I've heard their cry. I've seen their sorrows. That's a revelation. It's a revelation. You don't just read through the scripture like that. My eye is upon them. I hear the cry of everyone who's oppressed. I hear their cry. I hear the cry. No? Genesis sixteen thirteen. She called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. For she said, have I also here seen him who sees me? What does that mean? The same God who sees the oppression of a nation or a race that going through also sees the, na- the oppression and the cry of a single mother. Single mother. We are interested in big things. God says, I too am. But I'm also interested in the individual. Also, I'm interested in the individual. He sees the plight of a nation. And you'll also see the plight of an individual. A single mother. A lady who was used. Sadly. First, who were sold her? We don't know who sold her. She must have been bought, 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 bought. Finally ended up in the Pharaoh's household. We don't know how many times she was sold. And then Pharaoh gave it her as a gift to Abraham for taking Sarah. She has no choice. And then one day, for to be, to meet her need, to be called a mother according to the culture, Sarah hands her over to Abraham to have sex and bear. A surrogate mother is what you will call it today. So she's handed over like that. And now she's fleed. Because she also got an attitude, her mistress also got an attitude. And she ran. Okay? And God meets her there. That's what God is talking about. Do you realize who this God I am is? I am Elroy, the God who sees every detail of your life. Every little detail of your life. And one day this Elroy will come, walk among us and show to us the Father. And he says, shall I tell you something about my father? My father is like this. 
Matthew 10, 29. Right, 10, 29, 30. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? Copper coin. Two sparrows for a copper coin. Not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. I mean, who cares about sparrows? Who cares about sparrows? They're not even useful for sacrifice. Who cares? What can you get out of a sparrow? Can you eat a sparrow? Who cares about a sparrow? This much only. I cared for a sparrow. I had a sparrow also. I had a pet mina also when I was a child. And when they died, I cried. I buried, gave it a proper burial in a shoebox. Okay. Uh, no. And put a cross also. All that I did in that Gentile land. Okay, but who cares for a sparrow, generally speaking? It's your father in heaven. Your father in heaven cares. Not even us. How many sparrows must have died today? Nobody knows. God knows. Verse 30. He's trying to sell Elroy. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. What is he trying to tell? He says, do you know the detail in which God eyes are upon you? He knows every detail about you. Every detail about you. His eyes are upon the sparrow. He's the God who sees. Elroy, who are you? Fill in the blanks, he says. Can fill it. I'm Elroy, who sees the cry of an oppressed nation, who also sees the cry of an oppressed single mother or an orphan, abandoned. He says, I hear your cry. Genesis 21, 17 and 18. God heard the voice of the lad. Then the angel of the Lord called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad and hold him with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. Come on, Hagar. You forgot what I told you years ago. Come on, stand up. Hold him by hand. Hold him by hand. He doesn't know me, but you know me. You have heard me. Now hold him by hand. Give him that assurance. You are giving that assurance through me. What is that? He will be a great nation. He is the one who comes to an oppressed nation and says, Arise, I will take you to a land flowing with milk and honey. And he will tell that same thing to a single mother and says, Lift up your child. I will make your child a great nation. Okay, This is the God who sees. This is the God who sees. And people just perish. That's what God speaks through Hosea. You know why my people are destroyed? Because they don't know me. <laughs> they don't know me. They're simply destroyed because they do not know me. He's a God who sees. He's a God who hears. He hears. He sees. You know, we are not learning scripture <laughs> for scripture's sake. We are learning to know God. We are trying to get to know God. Who this God is. In Psalm 139 verse 7. Listen to what the psalmist says. I think it's David. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? Hmm? Where can I go? Your eyes are always. Wherever I go you are there. 
You are there. Where can I go? Meaning I don't have to fear. I don't have, that's why there are two sides of God. One is God is this incredible, all-powerful God. You can never go out of his range. And he's the most loving God. So it doesn't matter how much you have goofed up. Run back to him. Run back to him. All day, God says through the prophet, I stood with my hands stretched out. But you didn't come to me. You didn't come to me. All day. You didn't come to me. You go everywhere. Genesis 29, 31. I know we've seen this before, but we need to see it again and again. And when the Lord saw, Leah was unloved. He opened her womb. Okay? Nobody saw. Nobody saw. Nobody saw. What was happening in the bedroom? Nobody saw. God saw. God saw. Man getting intimate with his wife without intimacy. He saw. He saw. He says, Leah, I understand. I see your cry. I'll give you something to make you feel happy. I'll give you a child. 30 verse 17. Elroy, God who sees. Lord, listen. <laughs> he listened to Leah. It's a crazy prayer, actually. It's a crazy prayer. I bought Bandrix from your son. Tonight you shall sleep with me. What a crazy prayer. You know God listens to crazy prayers? Hmm? I didn't know when I was young. Mandrix was there in the Bible. I thought it was only in the comic books. (laughs) What a crazy... Do you know that God hears our crazy prayers? But if those crazy prayers are part of his plan for us, he answers crazy prayers. Okay. He heard. He listened to Leah. In verse 22. And God remembered Rachel. It's not that he forgot Rachel. Rachel? Are you satisfied with your husband's love? Are you satisfied? No. Good. I'll hear you. Are you satisfied holding a child born through a concubine? No. Okay. We don't realize these deeper longings are a reflection of our longing for God. No. Like C.S. Lewis said, there's no desire in us. Which is outside of God. Cannot have a desire. Unless it was put by the God of desires. God remembered Rachel. And God listened to her. It's not that, oh God is a God who listens to Leah. He says, no. I listen to Rachel too. The God who sees. The God who hears. The God who remembers. The God who comes down. Now he comes and says, now I am sending you. Okay. Tells Moses, I'm sending you. He tells Agar, get up, lift that boy up. Lift that boy up. He tells mothers, no, single mothers, come on, 
Don't wail. Don't whine. Lift your children up. Tell them, get to know me. And then speak me to them. Speak to me to them. You are not a failure. You will be something for God. You will be something for God. Because you do not know who my husband is. You do not know who your father is. Abraham may have abandoned you. But the God of Abraham, Elroy, hasn't abandoned you. Arise. You will be a great nation. I have heard. Therefore I speak that into your life. Sometimes mothers don't realize they are desperate. And they are discouraged about their children. Because as mothers, they are looking at their situation instead of going to God and hearing from Him about their situation. Rebecca heard about the children in her womb. Even Hagar heard. God is saying, I am not the God of special women like Rebecca. No, I am a God of Hagar, the slave girl also. See, God does not have ego problems. We have. We want to be known only as the children of Rebecca. We don't want to be known as the children of Hagar. But Hagar is a slave. Rebecca has got bow. God says, you don't you realize I'm the God of both. The God of Hagar and the God of Rebecca. And I hear everybody's prayers. And we don't realize our major issue in life. We begin like Moses. But we should also end like Moses. It's good to begin. Who am I? Who are you, Lord? God has no issues with these questions. How dare you question me? No, he says, you can't ask me questions. No issues. Ask me these questions every day. Who am I? Because I want to reveal myself to you. We don't realize, we, you don't realize this until you become a father. Until you become a father and you have children of your own. And then you realize your entire desire is that they get to know you. Get to know you. you know, get to know. And you look at any father. I mean, fathers get ultimately disappointed, but unless one kid picks it up, you know, you know, you can always, as a father, I'll always say, okay, I want you to read this. You know, because this is what I read. <laughs> I want you to read this. I want to read. I want to, let's play this game. Now, I cannot teach them a game which I do not know. Everything that as a father you do with your children is something which you have experienced. But in doing that, what are you actually telling them? Partake of my life. Partake of my life. This is my life. But we are very finite fathers. Finite fathers. Okay? And we have an infinite father. And the father is inviting us and says, you know what? Partake of my life. This is what I am interested in. This is what I am interested in. Paddock of my life. And this call to redemption, to be part of the redemptive plan of God, we do not realize that is what burns God's heart. And God is telling, come, come. We do not realize that is our struggles. Our struggles. And God, God knows our struggles. God knows our struggles. God knows our, our problem is we know our struggles and we fight our struggles in our own strength without knowing that we are already short-circuited for defeat. 
If we can win our battles, then we don't need God. We can win our battles, that means we don't have, a, we don't have an enemy. <laughs> we have an enemy. Powerful enemy. Foolish is a man who thinks he can win him, win over him in his own strength. The devil sits back and laughs at your face. Try it, he says. Try it. So he knows our battles. We have this battle inside. The battle of flesh. And we have this battle outside. All the fears connected with this world. And God says, I'm sufficient for both. I'm all sufficient, God. I can win, cause you to win inside. And I can cause you to win outside. In Genesis 17 and verse 1. Goofed up big time. Lost terribly the battle of the flesh. Created something called Ishmael. Abraham was 99 years old. The Lord, Hashem, appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am El Shaddai. Almighty God. All sufficient God. I am El Shaddai. You know why you couldn't walk blameless for 99 years, Abraham? Because you did not know me as El Shaddai. You did not know me as El Shaddai. I am El Shaddai. Abraham, if you need a child, you come to me. You don't go to Hagar. You come to me. I am El Shaddai. To meet all your needs, inside and outside. I am El Shaddai. Psalm 91 and verse 1. Oh, not 90. 91. 1. Oh, 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of El Shaddai. And after that is a litany of all the trouble you will face outside. Day and night, 24-7. And he says, in the secret place of El Elyon, the Most High. And he says, abide under the shadow of El Shaddai. You are safe. Your internal battles with your flesh and your external battles with all the powers of darkness, I am sufficient for you. I am sufficient for you. I am El Shaddai. He says, I'm giving you a blank check, Moses. I am that who I am. Just fill in my name there. If you are lonely, discouraged, depressed, I am Elroy. He sees me. Nobody sees me. Nobody hears me. Nobody remembers me. I'm going to the garden to eat worms. No, he says, you don't have to go to the garden to eat worms. That's a whole nursery rhyme. (laughs) Nobody loves me. I forgot it. I was doing part of my... PhD or MPhil, I don't know what I was doing, part of it, I remember. No? I'm going to the garden to eat worms. First I will bite the head off, then I will suck the guts out. Because I'm, nobody loves me, nobody cares for me. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take all my frustrations on the worm. The one who cannot do anything to me. What's this? Hang in there. I love you. I see you. I hear you. I remember you. 
And the thoughts that I have towards you cannot be counted. Even every hair on your head is numbered. You know who I am? I'm Elroy. I'm Elroy. The God who sees you. But Lord, I am scared. Scared of what? Scared about what the people will say about me. You know, Lord. Everybody will laugh at me. Everybody will mock me. Oh, his name. Do you know this old man? 99 years old. No sons. No children. Whatever it is. We are afraid of. I'm sufficient. I'm El Shaddai. Lord, I struggle with my flesh. Stop fighting in your own strength. I am El Shaddai. You can, you can, only way you will walk blameless in life is when you know El Shaddai is behind you. I'm El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. Lord, COVID-19 is here. We don't know the next strain of it, how more terrible it is. It's getting worse. People are dying left, right and center. There's war drums. There's pestilence. There is famine. Lord, I'm scared. God says, let me give you a double adjective. I am El Elyon, the most high, meaning there is nothing higher than me. And you know what? Yet, I will stretch my shadow over you. I am not so high that I don't look at anybody. I am also who will cover you. Find shelter under me. I am El Shaddai, all sufficient. The pestilence that comes by day, the plague by night, a thousand that falls on one side, ten thousand because they are not under my shelter. But you come in there. Know me. Stay under. Stay under. El Shaddai. It was a blessing with which Israel would later send Jacob. Final words of Isaac to Jacob as he sends him. Genesis 28 verse 3. May God Almighty bless you. No? The words they use are prophetic. May God Almighty, you know, he says, may El Shaddai, El Shaddai, all sufficient God bless you, make you fruitful and multiply you that you may be an assembly of peoples. You know why we are sitting here? It's an assembly of God's people because God blessed Jacob through Isaac and we are Israel. El Shaddai. Genesis 35, 9 and 11. It was a blessing by which God blessed Jacob. Directly. Then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padan Haram and blessed him. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So call called his name Israel. Verse 11. And God said to him, I am El Shaddai. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you and kings shall come from your body. Lord, how can you give me all these promises? Because of who I am. Who are you, Lord? I'm El Shaddai. Absolutely all sufficient God. And in his last days, Jacob will realize, yes, that El Shaddai who met me so many times is all sufficient. Genesis 48 verses 1 to 3. It came to pass after these things that Joseph was told, Indeed, your father is sick. He took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. 
And Jacob was told, look, your son Joseph is coming. And Israel strengthened himself, sat upon the bed. And Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. You know how old he is now? 147. You know when this happened? 40 years ago. This is for 107 years I have been sustained by El Shaddai. None of us will live until 107. And he realizes, looking back, he realizes it was El Shaddai who brought me thus far. Through every attack of the enemy. The people who wanted to kill me. The people who wanted to destroy my sons. The famine, the pestilence. It was El Shaddai who brought me thus far. All sufficient God. This is what God is saying. Now God wants to reveal himself to us. And God says, is that your desire? In Exodus chapter 6 and verse 3. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty. El Shaddai. But by my name, but I am. I was not known to them. Moses, do you know? You're going to know more about me than your forefathers. You're talking about the God of my father Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. You know, even they did not know me as I am. And do you know what he tells to us? You know, children, do you know that? Moses knew me as the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and he knew me as I am. But he did not know me as Abba Father. Even he did not know me the way you can know me. He would have never dared to call me Abba Father. Never, never would Moses' lips utter Abba Father. Maximum who tell me is is that. Who is God? He will say, I am. Who is I am? But not. Okay. This is the call of God. I am who I am. From little Ajay here to anybody here. God says, you know what? Fill in the banks. You just, you just have to fill in the banks. No? Get to know me. Radio is also gone silent. Okay? It's back? Okay, just, uh, just, uh, what do you call it? Refresh it. Genesis 22 verse 14. Genesis 22 verse 14. You know on that mountain when God again called Abraham, Abraham, do not lay on your son. Altar is ready, wood is ready, fire is ready, but nothing to offer. How can you build an altar and offer nothing? 
You know, that's what happens with so many of us. Every Sunday service, the altar is ready, but there is no sacrifice. We go. We go back after having entertained ourselves without offering anything to him. And here is an altar. He could go back down by saying that it's okay, it's fine. Okay, thank you, Lord. No, but Lord, altar is red. Fire is red. Wood is red. I have to offer something. And then he sees a lamb, a ram caught by its horns. Then he offers and he realizes, you know what? Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. It's a revelation for Abraham. Yahweh, Ire. Yahweh, Ire. Do you know what? Moses experienced God as Yahweh, Ire in a way Abraham would never experience. For 40 years, non-stop, he saw Yahweh has Yire taking the needs of almost 2 million people in the wilderness. 40 years non-stop. All their needs were met. That's what the Bible says. He is sufficient for us. You are complete in Him. You are complete in Him. And we are still trying to look outside of God, outside of Christ. You are complete. He is Yahweh Yireh. It's not like Israel in the desert in Psalm 78 verse 19 and 17. Psalm 78, 19 and 20. And they spoke against God. They said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Behold, he struck the rock. So that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide meat for his people? It's not God can. It's can God. They're questioning that Yahweh is Yire. Can God? Can God? Can God? So God also was tired. So it's okay. What can I do with the people who do not believe Yahweh is Yireh? I can meet all your needs. In Philippians 4.19, another man who experiences God at every turn, in every dire and dark situation, will say, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He says, My God is Yahweh Yireh. He shall meet all your need. And God will answer Moses' prayer. His presence will literally go with him. And Moses will know him in ways no man had ever known God. If he experienced I am as God Almighty in Egypt, you will, he will also experience him as I am, Yahweh Ire in the desert. And when the Amalekites come to fight, he sends Joshua to fight at Rephidim with the men. And he goes up the mountain, hands held high, the rod, you know the whole story. He says, I will go, I will hold you up. When his hands come down, Israel loses. When his hands are up, Israel wins. So Aaron and her put a stone, make him sit down, and they hold his hands up. And they win. 
and the way. If I believe every time from the plane they're looking back. When the enemy advancing, they look and the hand. The enemy is falling back before them. They look back and they see his hands are up. So they identified the victory with Moses. And Moses is very smart. He says, it's got nothing to do with me. It's God. In Exodus 17 and verse 15. Moses built an altar and called its name. The Lord is my banner. The problem is Jehovah Nissi. Banner in 21st century, in our age, is a terrible mistranslation because banner means something else. It's not actually a banner. It is what regiments use, which is called standard. They rally around that standard. They fight for their flag. So you see all the ancient movies, you will see this one man on horseback holding this standard. Okay, it's a standard. Because that flag is your rallying point. So you need to understand when President Trump actually comes and says you should not kneel when the anthem and the flag is being this thing. Because the flag represents your nation. And you don't despise the flag, the standard. The standard should be your rallying point. Okay? But they know that. So they are saying that, no, for us this flag is not our rallying point. We will disgrace the flag. Ultimately, when everything fails, I'm telling you, when America falls apart, they will have a different flag too. But they will compromise. When you have no strength, you will keep on compromise to the mob. This is the mob. And you will see, the mob, You have to. if you don't stand up to the mob, you will bow down to the mob. That's what ultimately will happen. The nation will go. The mob rule will take over. You need to understand where it is coming. But for us Christians, he is our standard. We rally around him. Rally around him. He is our standard. We don't realize what I am means. We rally around him. He is. He's given us his name. In my name, Jesus said, go. In my name, cast out the demons. In my name. That's a rallying point. He is our standard. If believers are an army, then Jehovah Nissi is our standard. We rally around him. These are all experiences. These are all experiences. You know? You know? Yesterday, I posted my first Twitter. Second Samuel 15, 19 to 21. Second Samuel 15, 19 to 21. The king said to Ittai the Gittite, Why are you also going with us? Return and remain with the king. For you are a foreigner and also an exile from your own place. In fact, you came only yesterday. Should I make you wander up and down with us today? Since I go, I know where. Return. Take your brethren back. Mercy and truth be with you. Who is this? David. What does Itai say? Itai answered the king and said, As the Lord loves and as my Lord the king loves, surely in whatever place my Lord the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also your servant will be. I'm only on following only one Twitter account. That is President Trump's. And this is what I read. 
wrote, don't these guys have any sense of loyalty? It's about John Bolton's book. Joseph's brother sold him for 20 pieces of silver. Judah sold his master for 30. Bolton sold his ex-boss for $29.95. It's a shame these guys all actually worked for the president. There's something which is called loyalty. Even if it's your ex-boss, there is loyalty. You don't sell your boss. What's the price of his book? Not $30, $29.95. That's what you sold your integrity, your loyalty, everything for. That Gittite had more integrity than all of Trump's administration. He was loyal to his boss in defeat. You need to understand principles of life. You may not agree with your boss, but when you leave, you leave. You don't sell your boss and make money. And you lost your entire reputation. All that you worked for, you're gone. You're finished. What did you sell it for? You sold it for two million advance for a book. The book will be forgotten. You will also be forgotten. And you will be always remembered. Not for the book. The reason you wrote the book. That's how you will. You will be always remembered as a traitor. What is Absalom remembered as? As a handsome guy? For his hair? He's always remembered as the traitor. It's the picture of that boy in Deuteronomy said should be brought to the city gates and stoned to death. That's how he'll be always remembered. Nothing else is remembered about Absalom or Adonijah or these guys. People don't realize. How will he be remembered in history? How will he be remembered? People don't realize. No, that's why these are things people in the church also should learn. How will we always remembered? Somebody who built or somebody who tried to destroy, pull down something, walk away. If you don't agree, walk away. Quietly, walk away. I'm not saying you need to agree with everything. No, you don't have to. Walk away. Walk away. No, People don't realize. Because there is somebody who is hears, who sees, who listens, who remembers. I don't want to be known as a traitor in God's kingdom. Never. Of course I walked away from two churches. I walked away. I left them alone. Who am I? Who am I? Peace with those pastors still today. <laughs> Who am I? Walk away. Now people don't realize. They, this is what happens when people get carried away by causes. Because when you get carried away by the causes and not by God, then the end justifies your means. And you don't realize, you too are a communist. You too are a communist. And you know, when a communist takeover takes place, the first heads to roll are all these. You know why they said, these guys cannot be trusted at all. Because if they were not loyal to their boss, they are not loyal to anybody. Take their heads off. It's always happened in every dispensation. These guys go over that side and thinking they will. But you don't realize that when that dispensation comes into power, they will always say, these are the guys, never, never trust them. Take their heads off first. 
take their heads off first. I'm talking about totalitarian regimes. They take their heads off first because you are never sure. Because you are what you call, uh, what do they call in, in these terms, spy novels? A double agent. You're a double agent. That side also doesn't trust you. This side also doesn't trust you. God is talking about to us all these simple, simple things about life. You look at all these people in the picture. Everybody tries to make a fast buck. You know, how shameless they are. Walk away. If you don't agree, walk away. Walk away. If I cannot be part of the solution, I will not be part of the problem. Walk away. Literally, you know, literally. And the thing is that we see that at the top, what you need to realize, it comes down in life. Everywhere. Comes down even in homes and families. Homes and families, you will see. That's what Absalom does. See, Absalom doesn't take the throne first. He tries to steal the hearts of the people from his father. It is not bad to be good in the eyes of the people, but if it is at the cost of their loyalty to your father who is the king, then it is wrong. Then it is wrong. So we need to realize at every level these things comes and he always will look into your heart and say, Lord, make me a loyal person. Make me a loyal person. Make me loyal, Lord. Because loyalty is incredibly important in the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom has a king. The king has subjects. And the first thing the king looks in his subjects is not talent. Is none of these things. The first thing the king looks is, are you loyal? Are you loyal? Are you loyal? First things. Are you loyal? And the first thing that important the king looks is, are you loyal? I loyal. And I believe that's what God's eye was on Moses. Everybody is crying. And I believe his heart is still for the people and that cause. And God looks and he says, he looks into his heart and says, you know what? He's still loyal to that burden I put in his heart 40 years earlier. It's still there. It's still there. It's still there. Jawanisi. That becomes our rallying point. God, His name. His name, His kingdom, His will, His purpose. People only saw Moses. But we need to see beyond Moses. We need to see beyond the hands of God, beyond the hands of Moses. We have to see it is the hands of God that is holding the hands of Moses. We have to see the hands of God. We have to see. We have to see beyond the people who lead us. See the God who is leading us. People will go wrong. Leaders will fail us, but God will never fail us. God can never fail us. A little earlier before this battle took place, a little earlier, they were crying and shouting and screaming for water. In verse 5, 10, 6. This is what God tells Moses, solution. Lord said to Moses, go on before the people, take with you some of the elders, take also in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. And what did he tell him? Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb. Just you go. They won't see me. Nobody will see me. Because I cannot reveal them to you, them, myself to them. Because they are not interested. They are only interested in water. That is, 
the result of my power. They are not interested in me in the person. So I will tell you what to do. You go to the rock. Okay, this is that big huge rock you see there. You stand before the rock. And I will tell you, I will stand before you. They won't see me. They won't see me. But you know. Then you need to do one thing. You need to strike the rock. The God who empowered Moses to strike the rock is Yahweh. And the rock whom he struck also was Yahweh. Moses represents the law. The law crucified Christ. Who gave the law? God gave the law. God says, they won't see any of these things, Moses. They won't see any of these things. You see? I will stand before you. You strike the rock. The people only saw Moses. The people only saw the rock. They didn't see God. You see, when we only see the man, and we only see the work, we never see God, you know that water cannot quench us. Even though that water is from God, it does not quench us. Because we only saw the hand of man. We did not see the hand of God. And a lot of people go to church. A lot of people hear from men of God. But the words the men speak, even though they are the words of God, they, they do not quench them, satisfy them, because they see them only as the words of man, and not as the words of God. So they will be thirsty again. Was the water from God? Yes. Was the water a supernatural act of God? Yes. Did that water quench them? No. Turn with me to Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. Chapter 2 and verse 13. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God. That's why it worked in them. As long as you receive it as the word of men, it does not have the power to work in you. Because man does not have that power to change you. Only God has. 600,000 men, women, children, their cattle, flock, all were watching. Moses stood and he took the stick and he hit the rock. And water flowed for miles and miles. And it a river that was flowing. Everybody drank. Everybody's thirst was quenched. A little later they started complaining again. You know why? They only saw Moses. They didn't see God. The words of God. The words of man, the acts of man does not have the power to satisfy anybody. It cannot satisfy you for a season. That's what Jesus is telling this Samaritan woman. You know, young lady, my child, you drink from this, you'll be always thirsty. You'll have to keep coming back, coming back, coming back, coming back. But if you drink the water that I give, you'll never thirst again. Paul comes and talks about the noble Thessalonians. He says, you know what? I thank God. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Why do I thank God for the church in Thessalonica? I thank God for the church in Berea for another reason. That it is such the word to be very clear that what they are speaking is according to the word of God. I thank God you for another reason. Both need to be combined. Both need to be combined. 
Berean heart, Thessalonican heart has to be combined. It's beautiful. He says, you know what? Because when you receive, I didn't have to struggle with you, Thessalonica. I really didn't have to struggle with you, the church in Thessalonica. And he says, you received the word of God with joy and much affliction. You were persecuted like crazy, but you received the word. You know why? Because you received the word of God, which you heard from us. You welcomed it as not the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God. You know, that's what has happened around the world. They don't receive it as the word of James or the word of Vijay. And you see people getting saved off the streets, off the streets, drug addicts, drug peddlers, pimps, all coming out. Masters coming out of circles, butterflies getting. How does it happen? Why does nothing happen in our church? Isn't the word the same? The word is the same, right? It's simply because they do not receive it as the word of man. The Bible says, which also effectively works in you who believe. How does it work? What does that it mean? It believes. You believe. You believe it is the word of God. Though it is coming as the word. You see, they saw that action, but they don't believe in the God behind that action. Therefore, the water could not quench them. It didn't satisfy them. We don't realize every step of their journey, it was a revelation. Just a revelation. In Exodus 15 verse 26. No? God was revealing himself to them through Moses. If you diligently heed the voice of your God, listen carefully. Diligently, listen carefully. Do what is right. No. Don't do what is right. Do what is right in his eyes. Because everybody does what is right in their eyes. He says, no, do what is right in his eyes. Listen carefully. Listen very, very carefully. Do what is right in his eyes. Give ear to his commandments. Keep all his statutes. You know what? I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. For who am I? I'm Yahweh, Rapha. I'm God who heals. I'm the God, you know. Who I am? When you are sick, who I am? Fill in the blanks, Moses. Just fill it. I am who I am. Moses, you have no clue. As the shepherd of this flock, you're going to face so many situations. And I'm telling you, every situation these people face, I'm sufficient for you. When they are sick, what shall we do? Just put Rafa there. Rafa. I'm Yahweh Rafa. Your healer. I'm your healer. Think about it. That's what God is saying. I am your your healer. I am your healing. I am your provision. I am your strength. I am the God who sees you. In the book of Judges you will see he appears to Gideon. Gideon is petrified. Then he tells him all these things and... uh, Gideon is such a weak character, such a struggles with his faith, and he says, then, okay, can I offer a sacrifice? Go ahead. When he offers a sacrifice, boom, fire comes down. See, when angels appear, they don't come with their, all that, this thing, no, so he's not very sure. But when fire comes down from heaven, he is petrified. 
He said, I am finished. I am gone. I am done. done. It says, peace, peace. I don't, when I come down, I don't come to destroy. I'm at peace. I come to restore. I come to save. Okay, so he makes an altar there. In Judges 6.24, you know what he calls that? Yeah. Built an altar there to the Lord and called, the Lord is peace. Did you see that? That's the first time you have the, you say Jehovah Shalom. Before that, Shalom, 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 Shalom is there. But in this frightening situation, Jehovah is peace. It's a revelation. <laughs> Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom. God is our peace. Okay. In the Old Testament, God said, you cannot see God face to face and look. But we have seen God face to face and looked. Because God is in Christ. He is our peace. He is Jehovah Shalom. You see, as we come to the end, our major struggle is new covenant people. Old covenant people excuse them. Okay? They were limited in their understanding of God. New covenant, our major confusion is we don't understand really struggle with this entire concept about salvation. Salvation. Eternal life. All these concepts. In Genesis, sorry, John chapter 17 verses 1 to 5. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you. You have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. What shall he give? Eternal life. To as many as he wants, he can give eternal life. And this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. What is eternal life? What is eternal life? That we may know God. And Jesus is the only one who can give it to us. I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now Father glorify me together with yourself. With the glory which I had with you before the world was. So he's putting three major concepts. Four major concepts there. First concept is Father. I have given them eternal life. Which you Second concept, this is eternal life. What is eternal life? To know you. Third concept, I finish my work. And fourth concept, now give me my glory. You know what? Look at verse 6. Then you will understand it. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. What was my work? To make you known to them. They always were confused with this, I am who I am. Now they know who I am is. Because I have made you known to them. I have finished my work. I want my glory. I finished my work. What was the work of Jesus Christ? To make God known to us. That is salvation. That is eternal life. And when we and I are called to the redemptive plan of God. You know what? We think it is to preach. God says no. It is to do good works. God says no. It is to make me known to others. 
You know what Jesus told his disciples? You know what Philip said? Show us the Father. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. That was what Paul was ultimately telling. If you have seen me, you have seen Jesus. I have made him known to you. For I no longer love. Jesus always said, I no longer love. I don't love. The Father loves through me. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Paul will say, if you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. Follow me as I follow Christ. That's what God is calling us to. I am that I am. We too are called to reveal God. We may be attacked from every side, but we are at rest. You know why? Because He is our peace. They have to see our peace to know the God of peace. I preach to you the God of peace and you are restless? You are just a preacher. You are not a witness. You've been cut with a thousand wounds. But you're not bleeding. You know why? Because he is your healer. We are bleeding. Meaning our response shows we are bleeding. Because we have not experienced him as our healer. They could cut him with a thousand wounds. His back was all broken. Legs were pierced. Hands were pierced. Head was pierced. But out of his mouth, what came was healing. He was not bleeding, spiritually, because he knew his father as his healer. You and I may be cut away from everything, the source of spiritual nourishment. No church, no food, no fellowship. Will we be able to say, he is my provision? Can we say that? Will you be able to say that if we are put in situations like millions have been, including Richard Wombrand and all, for years together in isolation, came out much stronger? And Paul tells us, He is my provision, my God, my God. How, how can you say that? Because He is here. He's met all my needs in prison. He is my provision. And everybody has left you. Everybody has abandoned you and you're all alone. The question is, can you still fight that good fight? Can you still uphold the gospel? If God has only one man left on earth, can you still be that standard? Can you be the rallying point, Jehovah Nissi? Can God look down and say, that's Jehovah Nissi, that's my standard on earth? Rally around him. Or her. No, that's when it becomes life. Otherwise, these are all just names. That's what God is telling Moses. I give you a blank check. I am that I am. Experience me. Let my life be your life. My life be your life. And that's how Moses walked. And that's what Israel experienced. Israel experienced the hand of Moses. The hand of God through the hand of Moses. 
but they did not experience God. Therefore, they perished in the wilderness. The wilderness. The call of God is always this. To the answer, who shall I tell you are? And that's what he told the disciples. Don't go preach. Stay in Jerusalem. When he comes, shall receive power. When you receive power, you shall be my priest, beaten, brought before the Sanhedrin, stunned. These are unlearned men. Then they said, they were with, that is wrong. That is the assumption of the man outside of God. The true answer, Jesus is in them. It's not that they were with Jesus. Jesus was in them. What were they? They were witnesses of that life. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Now a set of 120 arose. In them was life. And that life was becoming the light of Jerusalem. And Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. You see, there's no answer to light. There's no answer to light. There's nothing called darkness. There's only something called absence of light. You cannot create darkness. You cannot create darkness. It's nothing called darkness. Something called light. And God says, so if the Bible says in the last days, darkness will cover, that only means the church has lost its light. Lost its light. That's what we are to see. When does it lose its light? When it has lost its life. It's no longer Old Testament. Your word was the light. There's plenty of the word being preached. It's not that. It's no longer that in the new covenant. He says, my word is life. When we miss life, we miss light. So there is a call of God going forth in these last days. It's my prayer again and again. Whenever this is over, we do not know how long it will take. And a church emerges. It's a church of life. Not of words, of life. And that life will be the light of man. Amen. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, this morning we just come to you. You are I am that I am. And we need to experience you every day, Lord. I am that I am. Your life is our light. Otherwise we will be just lights that will just glitter and then fade away. Just glow worms that will fall to the ground and be crushed by the feet of men and animals. We are not called to be glow worms. We are called to be witnesses of that life. More than all the revelation that Moses received, we have been given. You have been given your son. The invitation is come. 
I am the bread of life. Eat of me. All those who are thirsty, come and drink of me. I pray, Father, every day, we will partake of your life. That your life will increase in us, Lord. Everyone who is hearing now and will hear in the days to come. That nothing in this world should satisfy us. Only you, Lord. Only you. Come, Lord Jesus. Serve with us. Fellowship with us. Only you can satisfy us, O Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us daily to partake of you. Let your life be our life, Lord. We just, we don't want to be theologians. We just want to be witnesses of your life. True witnesses to that and help us. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We surrender ourselves into thy hands. All the church into thy hands. Walk with us. Live in us. Help us to enter into that rest. May your presence be our portion always. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.